Uh, hello, Parkview. Are we doing good this weekend? Good to see you. Yeah. Awesome. I'm honored to be here with you uh, this weekend. My name's Todd, and I want to welcome everybody around Chicagoland, all of our campuses uh, around Orland Park and New Lenox, Homer Glen. Uh, everybody's watching online. This is week number three uh, in this series, Bitcoin and the Bible. And what we've been doing the last few weeks is we've been just investigating in kind of a new, fresh way, uh, alternate economies, uh, things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. We've been talking a little bit about that and having fun with it and just how volatile it is and, and how it goes up and down and how nobody really understands what it is. Uh, we've just been having fun with some of that. But we've been talking a lot about God's kingdom and his economy of things and kingdom currency and, and how we really understand that. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about God's kingdom and money and finances and kingdom currency. Uh, but a lot of times we just don't understand exactly how it works. So that's what we've been diving into the last few weeks. And today we're going to continue that and we're going to talk about uh, giving back to God and his church and his kingdom and, and investing really in God's principles and God's plans and, and being generous. Today is about how do we become more generous as a church and as individuals uh, towards God's world and his kingdom. And so kind of to get us all headed in the same uh, direction today, here's what I want to do. I want you to imagine uh, that you're just going to, you're going to be generous this weekend. Uh, you're going to have a party at your house and it's the NBA finals uh, this weekend. I don't know if you care about that or not, but it's a good reason to have a party. So you're going to have pizza for everybody at your house uh, this weekend. And uh, I, I've been waiting to ask this. I've been on staff here at Parkview now for about two, two and a half years. And I hear, all I hear about when I'm around here is pizza uh, in, in Chicagoland. Everybody has their favorite pizzas. And so I want to just have a little fun with that. And I want you to know that if I was inviting you to my party, which would be at uh, Pastor Tim's house because he's out of town right now. Uh, so you're all invited later today uh, for the NBA finals. Uh, if I was having a party at Pastor Tim's, uh, here's the pizza uh, that I would have. I would, I would have uh, beggars. So if, if this is you, just by applause, beggars, any beggars people? Yeah, there we go. That that sounds that feels good. Uh, they they lay it on thick. I like it. Uh, uh, now again, by applause. If if this would be you, how many of you would be Genos? By applause. All right. Some of you, probably because it takes 11 hours to make that, um, and you'd have to have the party tomorrow and order in advance. It's 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 very technical. Um, what about this, Giordano's? Would you do? <laughs> there you go. By, by applause. If you're getting hungry, by applause. Anybody getting hungry? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just, okay. And what about this? I, I've heard so much about this place. Uh, people want to buy this for me. They've, they've brought this to me. Uh, it's, 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 really, it's actually really good. What about this? Uh, wow. Luminati's, which, which sounds a lot like Illuminati, actually, which is a different thing. Uh, but I just can't get that out of my, uh, out of my head. Uh, and, and then I also did this. I asked Pastor Tim, since he's not around here, and we love, we love Tim. And, you know, he's such a generous person. We all know that. And I said, Tim, so what if you had a party? What kind of pizza would you buy for all of these folks that you've spent all these years with in love? And I was kind of surprised. This is what he said. He said, uh, I, would, I, would do, I would do pizza. Would, I'm like, that's not very generous, Tim. I, it's just not. Um, and that's not a doctored photo from Wayne's World either. That's actually Tim. Um, in, no, anyway, sorry. I just had to do that. Uh, had, had to do that. Hey, when it, when it comes to this series and what we're talking about in Bitcoin and the Bible, did you, did you know this? Probably most of you didn't. That the very first real world purchase with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin was actually for pizza. 
It was actually pizza was the transaction that happened in this weird, strange, totally virtual currency called Bitcoin. A lot of times we don't understand. This is actually a picture of the two pizzas that were bought. I think they're Papa John's uh, pizzas, it looks like uh, to me from the box. But uh, this was back in 2010, so about eight years ago, May 22nd, 2010. This guy named Laszlo uh, put out on his Facebook or social media somewhere that I'll pay 10,000 Bitcoins that I've been mining and getting to somebody who will buy me a couple pizzas. I'll trade 10,000 of my Bitcoins for a couple of pizzas. And sure enough, somebody took him up on that, bought him a couple pizzas, and he gave them 10,000 Bitcoins. Now, understand this, just to show you the volatility of this. In 2010, 2,000 Bitcoins or 10,000 Bitcoins was worth about $41. That's what it was worth because they were about 0.0004 cents or something like that. So 10,000 bitcoins, two pizzas, $41. That sounds pretty, pretty good, right? Today, fast forward to today. I looked just before I came out on the stage here today to speak to you. Do you know what 10,000 bitcoins would be worth today? Right at $76 million. 10,000 times about 7,600 apiece, $76 million. And you thought Chicago pizza was expensive, right? Those are some expensive pizzas, but it fluctuates up and down. You can lose 10 or $20 million worth of value in your pizzas in just a matter of minutes. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, and that's, but that's kind of the, the crypto world. Back around Christmas time, uh, bitcoins were worth about $20,000 each. There were about $7,600 and now uh, is where they are. But back around Christmas time, you, you know, Bitcoin is like a virtual thing, right? There's no physical type of Bitcoin. But around Christmas time, I went online at Amazon and I bought some fake little Bitcoins. I bought about 20 of them, you know, and I spent about eight or 10 bucks on 20 of these. And they look real because they're gold and they're kind of heavy and they, they have a B on them. So they're definitely real, you know, Bitcoin. And what I did around Christmas, it was so funny. It was, it was so cool. I, I started just giving these to a bunch of my family and friends. <laughs> I would wrap them up and give them one of these Bitcoins. And I had people texting me and things like, Todd, you are so generous. I looked up what this is worth. Are you kidding me? Did you know that? And, you know, I, of course, I haven't told a lot of them yet, even that it's, you know, it's not even real. But so I'm, yeah, I'm a very generous person. And I also, uh, my family, we have lots of friends around the country and lots of churches, you know, around our place and, uh, that, that we love. And so around, you know, everybody's having Christmas Eve services, 10 or 20 or 30 Christmas Eve services, it seems like. And so at any Christmas Eve service I went to, I dropped several of these in the offering for the Christmas Eve service as well for a bunch of the churches. And so that, I think I probably freaked out some uh, people in, in churches. And, and the, the whole world of, of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, it kind of blows my mind. And it's probably made a lot of people some money, but it's also taken a lot of people in the wrong direction and, and bankrupted some people and, and put them in a bad uh, place. And so I'm not suggesting it, but it does kind of blow my mind. And, but the thing that really blows my mind even more is God's kingdom and the economy of God. Because I've been watching God's kingdom for the last probably, you know, 20 or so, 25 years of my life when it comes to uh, finances. And, And I've seen what God can do and how he can multiply our investments, if you will, in his kingdom. I've seen it over and over. For for instance, imagine that you have like a hundred of these, a hundred dollars. That's what this is here. And let's say you just take three or four and you decide to invest three or four dollars in God's kingdom. Or maybe you decide to invest 10 of every 100 you have into God's 
kingdom or 15 or whatever it is. You know what happens? Just let this soak in today. What happens is God takes these regular, normal, paper, flimsy, government-issued, mass-produced American dollars, and he turns them into kingdom currency. He does things with these dollars that we could never do on our own. He builds churches like this. He plants churches in California and in Dominican Republic, and he does things in Africa and leading people, and he saves marriages, and he raises up kids. He does unbelievable things when we turn these into kingdom currency. And then he leaves us with these regular dollars that, by the way, they end up going further than they ever would even though we invested these. Amen? It's crazy what he does. Now, I want you to know this, that when you invest in God's kingdom, when I invest, it's not always, you know, a dollar-for-dollar exchange. It's not I put in $5 and I get out 5 or 8 or something like that. It's, It's not always that easy and that obvious. But I do want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God resources those who resource his kingdom. He does. And maybe another way to say it, if you're writing things down in notes, is like this. That God gets involved in the lives of those who trust him and invest in his kingdom. He just does. He does spectacular things. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relationally. Sometimes it's with longevity or, you know, different things that he orchestrates in our life or our career or our family or our kids or our grandkids. It's unbelievable how God gets involved in our lives when we put our trust in him, our faith in him, and we begin to give our resources and our energy and our time towards his kingdom. Today, what I want us to do in our time of study is I want us to look at a guy in the Bible named Joseph, and he invested his life and his energy and his resources in God's kingdom, and God put him in a place of prosperity and generosity that was unbelievable. And so I want us to study that for just a little bit and pull some lessons out of it for our lives that we can take into this new week. So if you have a Bible with you today, Genesis chapter 41 is where we're going to be. If you have a smartphone or a tablet or however you locate scripture, Genesis chapter 41, uh, I'm going to put just a few things up on the screen, but I'm going to just kind of share with you a lot of the story of Joseph. So if you want to follow along or mark it so you can read it later on this week, that would be awesome. Uh, I know a lot of you know about Joseph. Uh, He's the guy who was his father's favorite son, basically, and his dad gave him a coat of many colors, right? Remember that? And because of that, his, and, and some other things he did, his brothers got really upset with him and jealous of him, and they wanted to kill him. And so his brothers, his own family, took Joseph, their brother, and they threw him down in a pit to die. And then one of the brothers said, well, let's just not do that. He's our brother. And so they pulled him out of the pit, and they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And that's where we are in Genesis chapter 41. Joseph has been a slave in Egypt He's been in prison, in the dungeon now, for a couple of years, actually. And what happens is, is that Pharaoh, the guy who's in charge of all of Egypt, begins to have these dreams. And the dreams he has are kind of torturing him. And they're two different dreams. One is about cattle and cows. And the other one is about stalks of grain. And Pharaoh is tortured by these, so he starts bringing in his advisors to ask what they mean. Or he asks his counselors to come in, people that, you know, are all around him, his entourage, so to speak, of his smartest people. And nobody knows what they mean. Nobody can really tell him. And then one of the advisors says, hey, 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 Pharaoh, there's this guy down in your dungeon, in your prison, 
And he's a slave, basically, but he, he can do this. I've heard that he, God has given him favor in, in understanding people and their dreams. And so Pharaoh says, go get him. And so they get him, and I love how specific the Bible is. If you look in Genesis chapter 41, it says that the first thing they do, they pull Joseph out of the dungeon. They have to give him you know, a bath and a shower because he's you know, dungeon-like. And, and then they give him some new clothes because he's got to be in front of Pharaoh, and, and they shave him, you know, probably a really sweet goatee or something like that, I'm guessing. And, and, and so he comes in, and before you know it, he's standing before the most powerful person on the planet. And Pharaoh begins to tell him his dreams. And, and when he's done telling him these two different dreams, Joseph says, well, I, I can tell you what it is, Pharaoh. The two dreams that you're having are really just the very same dream. And what they mean is this. There's going to be seven years around here in Egypt and in the world where there's going to be prosperity. There's going to be bumper crops. They're going to grow and flourish, and there's going to be plenty. But then right after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. Nothing's going to grow all around the land, and it's just going to be sparse. It's going to be awful. And then I love what Joseph does, and we'll read a scripture about what happens here in just a moment. But Joseph, I love this. He tells him this, and then you can just imagine all these smart people standing around the room. Joseph says, here's what you really ought to do, Pharaoh. You should find somebody who really understands all of this. Somebody who can develop a plan. Somebody who can lead your people to prosperity in these times. And then he basically, you know, drops the mic and walks out of the palace kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know if he does that. that. That's the way I picture it again in, in, in my mind. That's what he does. And, and Pharaoh says, hey, whoa, whoa, Joe, 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 hey, Joe, 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 Joe. I don't know if he says Joe like that. But I, it's, again, it's, this is all in my mind, okay? <clears throat> he says, Joe, Joseph. Why? Well, says, hey, listen, since, since, since you understand all of this, and, 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 and God is telling you this. Why don't you just lead it? Why don't you be in charge of my kingdom during this time? And I think probably, you know, Joseph you know, probably plays with him a little. It's like, hey, I don't know. You know, the dungeon or in charge of the palace. Hmm, let's, let's see. And, and he says, okay, 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 I'll do it. And so here, here's what happens. Here's what Pharaoh says in Genesis. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, and there's no one so discerning and wise as you, you shall be in charge of my palace, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Is that unbelievable? From like the dungeon to being in charge of everything. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. Then he dressed him up in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck like Run DMC. And <laughs> that's not in the Bible. Don't, okay. And, and, he, and he, had, he had him ride around in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. And thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Unbelievable. And, and I just want to go back to, again, what I said a few moments ago, that I just, I'm just telling you, I've seen it over and over and over, not just in the Bible, but in people's lives, that when we put our trust and our faith in God and we invest our lives and our resources in him and his principles and his kingdom, God gets involved. God gets involved in crazy ways that we cannot always predict or understand, ways that we could never orchestrate on our own. And so here Joseph is, he's in charge now of all this stuff, and, and during these seven years of plenty, he you know, works this plan that God gives him, and he puts people in charge of different cities and barns and things like that, and, and Scripture says that they have so much grain, they, they just stop counting it. They're so prosperous. And then the seven years come of famine, and, and that's what they've been preparing for. 
And so at the end of chapter 41, right around verse 36, Joseph is able to be generous to all the people in his city, all the people around Egypt. And, and then it says at the very end that the whole world, meaning the nations, all of the nations are going through this. And people, all these people start to come to Egypt. And Joseph is able to be generous to them because he's put his trust and his faith and his energy into God and his plan and his purposes. And then one last thing I want us to see, and we could probably expand this into a whole other message another time. But in, as you get into chapter 42 of Genesis, Joseph's family also is going through the famine. Now, they don't live in Egypt, but they hear that there's food in Egypt. And so they, all of Joseph's brothers, come back to Egypt. And the, the ones that have beat him and left him for dead. And, and what would you do if your family who had treated you badly, some of you have family who have treated you badly in your life, how easy is it to be generous and, and noble to them? It's not easy, is it? And so that's where Joseph is as you get into chapter 42. And chapter 42 to chapter 46 are pretty amazing because Joseph messes around with his brothers a little bit, which I think he should, right? He gives them a hard time, but then ultimately he blesses them beyond what they can even believe. And they are stunned. I mean, this is the same brother that we last saw in a pit. He had nothing and now he's in charge of the palace and basically the whole kingdom, and he's the most generous person on the planet? How does that work? How does that happen in his life? And that's what I want us to consider today. How does God put him in a place of such prosperity where he can be so generous? There's several things. There's probably a dozen things we could learn from Joseph's life, but I want you, if you're writing down things in notes today, just two things. Two things that Joseph did that we can do as well that will lead us towards a place of prosperity where we can be generous uh, to people. The first thing is this, be quick to give God the credit. Joseph was quick to give God the credit in what he was doing in his life and, and his abilities and things like that. Right, take a look at this in, in Genesis. Uh, this is just when Joseph is pulled out of the dungeon and he's standing before Pharaoh, shaved, sweet goatee, nice clothes, He's walking like an Egyptian for the first time, okay? <clears throat> Throwback to the 80s. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. So he's standing before him, all the counselors around, hey, I think you can do this. This is going to change your life. We love you, Joseph. This is going to be amazing. And look at what Joseph says, his first reply back to Pharaoh. I can't do it. I cannot do it. And Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God, everybody say, but God, uh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires, uh, but God can do it. He gives him the credit immediately for what God is going to do through him in his life. Let me tell you something, Parkview, no matter where you find yourself in life, giving God all the praise, all the glory, and all the credit is always the right move. Amen. That's just the right move. Doesn't matter how old or young you are. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Giving him the credit is always the right move. The first step in you and I becoming a generous person is realizing where your ability to be generous comes from. And this is so huge. So huge for us as, as we think through this. And, and what you have, Parkview, I, I get in conversations with people about this all the time, about the, their prosperity and their houses and their, you know, their job or their resources, their bank account or whatever, and, and I get all that. What you have is yours, technically speaking, that is true. But only 
because God gave it to you. Can I say that again? What you have, whatever it is in life, what you have is yours. That's true. But it's only true because God gave it to you. That's what we have to get into our minds. He's given us the ability, the connections, the health, the well-being, the intellect, to, to gather the resources and the things that we have in our lives. And the sooner, the sooner that you and I realize that God is the giver behind everything we have, the, the sooner we realize that, the easier it will be for us to be generous to other people because we realize how generous he has been to us. The book of Psalms says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his. And he gives some of it to us. And we got to give him. We got to be quick to give him the credit for what he's doing in our lives and in our families. That's what Joseph did right off the bat. He, he let Pharaoh and everyone else know this is a God thing. God's going to do this through me. And we should do the same. Here's, here's the second thing that he did. And that is be open to follow God's plan. Joseph was open to God's plan. God didn't leave him hanging. When he said, yeah, I can figure this out, I can do this, God gave him the plan, and Joseph worked the plan. The only reason the plan worked is because Joseph worked the plan, right? So he had seven years of prosperity where he had to save stuff up, and a lot of people were probably saying, why do you keep saving this up? You know, the times are always going to be good. And he's like, no, 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 no. we got to really be diligent during these seven years because it's not always going to be this way. There's going to be hard times that are coming. And so he not only got the plan, but he also worked the plan. Last week, if you were around here when Dave Ramsey was teaching, it, it was incredible. Uh, if you missed that message, you need to go back online and check it out because Dave gave us five things. During his message, he said, here's five kingdom things financially. And if you will do these five things with your finances, here's what he said. Remember this? He said it several times. He said, these five things will always work but you have to work these five things. <laughs> That's the way it is with the investing and the getting out of debt and, and the being generous and all those things. These five things will work every time, God promises, but only if you work the plan. God wants to give us a plan. He wants to be generous to us in our lives so that we can be generous to other people as well. Take a look at this scripture. Many of you know this. This is written to God's people in, in exile in the Old Testament. But I'm, I know it works and applies to you and me today because I've seen it. God says, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. You've probably seen that. Maybe you have it on a, something at home on the wall or on your Bible or something like that. God, God has plans and purposes for our lives. He, he wants to take some of our resources and turn them into kingdom currency and, and multiply it all around this world if we will be involved with our lives, with what he is up to. He wants to do that. But, but the thing is, we have to get involved with his plan and his purposes. And, and it's not complicated and it's not something that only a few people can do. Hey, if you've been around church, you know, for uh, this many years, you can get involved in God's plan. Then you're qualified. Then you're vested. Or if you have this much money in your bank account, then you can get involved in God's plan and you can really bless people in God. It's, 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 that's not what it's about. And in fact, take a look at this in the book of Luke, chapter 6. Give, and it'll be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It'll be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured 
to you. The thing I want us to, to realize this when it, when it comes to investing and, and giving back to God and his kingdom, whether it's our time or our energy or whatever it is, our resources, being generous, giving to others, to God's church and his people, this is something that anybody can do. If you're 15 or 16 years old living off your allowance from your parents, you can still be generous to God's church and his people and your friends at school and things like that or to a mission group around the world. If you're 26 years old, just getting out of college and getting your first job and stuff like that, you can still be generous with those resources. If you're 31 years old and you're just getting into your new family and you have a couple, two or three little kiddos, even when finances are tight and you're trying to figure it out, you can, you can be generous with what you have. If you're 66 or 76, living off retirement, you can still be generous in that age and stage of your life. If, if you have good credit, that's fine. If you have bad credit, that's okay. If you have no credit at all, you can still be involved in giving to others in your life. And here's why this is, is, is so huge. Check this out. It's because giving and generosity is a mindset, not an amount. It's not so much an amount. I know in our world, and this is kind of something different that's hard for us to soak in sometimes as human beings, and especially people who live in the United States of America, a lot of times in our world, when we see somebody being generous, it's always because of a certain amount. They gave these hundreds of thousands of dollars to the this park in Chicago, or they gave this millions of dollars to this university on the East Coast, and, and we applaud these people because of the amount that they have given. But in God's kingdom, it's, it's not, it's in God's economy of things. It's not just so much about an amount, it's about a, a mindset. It's something that we turn on in our minds that, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna jump in and be involved however I can in my life. And I know this, when it comes to us at Parkview, on all of our campuses, uh, there are basically four different mindsets, four different thoughts when it comes to being generous to God and his kingdom and his principles and purposes and things like that. We're in one of four different places. And, and I know I don't know all of you personally, and not all of you know me you know, personally and individually, but we're all in one of four places. And, and, and so check this out. Here's mindset number one. There are some who have just never given. And, and that's, that's okay. That's just the, the way it is. Maybe you've been around church, maybe around Parkview or, or even somewhere else in church for a, a number of years or even decades, and you've thought about it. You've heard messages about generosity from all places in the Bible and resourcing God's kingdom and all kinds of things like that. But the fact is, you just you haven't, you haven't done it. Yeah, it's just, your mindset is kind of like this. If, if I could be so bold, your mindset, because I've talked to a lot of you in coffee shops and airplanes, it kind of goes like this, and I get it. You know what, Todd, here's the thing. I would love to be generous and to give back some of, some of my uh, dollars. I, I would love to invest some of these dollars that I have in God's kingdom and have him turn them into kingdom currency that continues to circulate around and never, you know, dries up. I'd love for that to happen, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Here's where the rubber meets the road. If I do that now, then, then I'm, not, I, I'm so tight that I'm not going to have enough to pay for my car or for my mortgage or for my rent, and I need to do that, right? And, and so I get, so, so right now I'm just not going to do that. And, and so you just, you never jumped in and you've never, never given. That's, that's, that's all right. That's just kind of the mindset. There, there are others who are beginning 
givers. Maybe even over just the last few weeks, as Pastor Tim's been preaching about this and being generous back to God and, and his people because he's been generous to you. Or last week when Dave, I mean, Dave laid out five different things about the Bible and about our world and about our money. Maybe just in the last few weeks or the last month, you've jumped in and you're a beginning giver. You've decided to invest some of your United States currency and dollars and have God turn them into kingdom currency. And, and maybe you've done it just one time and, and it, was, it was scary, Right? You're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. But, but you did it. But you did it. You, you invested some of it in his kingdom. You're just kind of stepping into this. You're a beginning giver. There's others who are around who have the mindset around Parkview and around the world who are regular givers. Every couple of weeks when you get paid, every month when you get paid, you just you have it set up. It's just a regular uh, investment of your resources into God's kingdom and his plans and his purposes around here in Chicagoland and all around the world. Did you know this? Did you know at Parkview that about 70% right now, that's the most current number, about 70% of people who resource God's kingdom, who give back of, of, their, uh, of their money to God, about 70% do this on, online. They have automated this because it's so important in their life. And, of course, we still have the boxes in the back where you can put in, you know, checks or, or cash and things like that, and God takes that and turns it into his plans and purposes. But about 70% of people uh, do that on, online. And with summer coming up, that's a great way to say, hey, I, I want to I begin to do that. But that's regular givers. And then there's one other mindset, and that is proportional givers. There's some of you who have been around the church for a lot of your life or maybe grown up in the church, and, and, and your mindset is, you know what, uh, I'm going to give this set portion, this percentage, just week in and week out, month in and month out. And you've been doing it for maybe years or decades of your life. Maybe it's, you know, uh, a tithe. We, we haven't talked really about a tithe at all today. And I know some of you have probably heard about that, but that's giving 10% of your resources and income back to God and his church and his plans and his purposes. Some of you have maybe been proportional percentage giving for just a lot of your life. Now, here's what I want you to know based on these things right here. Where you are, where you are in these mindsets is not a mystery. There's not one of you sitting here right now at Parkview looking at these saying, you know what, okay, 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 here's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out if I've never given or I'm a regular giver. I don't, I can't, no, 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 you know, right? Because it's money and, and we, we hold tight to our money and it's important to us and we think about it and we worry about it and our money is our money. So you know, you know where you are in, in this whole mindset of, of giving back to God. We don't ever have to wonder about where we are when it comes to our money because we think about our money all the time. But here would be my uh, challenge to everybody around Parkview this weekend. Wherever you are in your mindset, here's going to be the challenge. Wherever you are, would you be willing to just take one step up in your mindset? So if you have never given at all, if you've never invested any of your resources in God's kingdom, would you be willing this weekend, this week, to be a beginning giver? To say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take some of these resources I have, $5, $50, $500, whatever it is. The amount isn't the important thing. The mindset is, amen? It's, it's the mindset that we have in, in investing in God's kingdom. I'm going to go from having never invested anything. I've thought about it, but I'm going to take the jump. 
And I'm going to begin to give. I'm going to give something back to God's kingdom. Maybe if you're a beginning giver, maybe you've given once or twice and you've seen God do some things in your life or your job or your work or your kids and things like that and, and you just want to see if you could turn some more of your earthly dollars into kingdom currency. Maybe if you're a beginning giver, you, you could step up here and say, I want to be a regular giver. I, I want to give just, here's what I'm going to do. This week and through this summer, when I get every two weeks or, or every month, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to, invest this certain amount. I'm going to automate it. I'm going to get online on the website and I'm just going to give this for the next several weeks and months and just watch what God does through the summer. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to just step your mindset up one beyond where you are right now? For those of you who are regular givers, there's lots of folks who are regular givers, but maybe what you regularly give regularly varies. If you have a little bit, you give a little bit. If you have a lot, you give a lot. And maybe you would be willing to take a step up and say, you know what, I'm going to be a proportional giver. I'm not going to just, you know, give this when I have this and this when I have this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say I'm, I'm giving this set amount back to God every few weeks or month. Or maybe I'm going to go beyond the tithe. The 10% is something I've been doing for a lot of my life. I'm going to bump that up to 11 or 12. I want to put as much, I want to move as much of my resources from earthly treasures into heavenly treasures as I can. You know, Scripture says that on this earth, thieves break in and steal, right? Moth and rust destroy. But as we move it into kingdom currency, thieves do not break in and steal, and moth and rust do not destroy. Whatever we put into kingdom currency, God multiplies it in amazing ways. And it's not always a dollar-for-dollar exchange, but we see him and his kingdom moving forward and his principles moving forward. And so I just want to challenge you today. Wherever you are, would you take that next step up? Wherever you are, take that next step up. And here's what I want to say. And, and I, I, I love you all so much at Parkview. I, 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 I'm so thankful that, that I get to share this message with you. I just want to say this to you. Listen, some of you already know this, but the, some of the greatest joys in all of life come from being able to be generous to people. They just do, whether it's five bucks or 50 bucks or 500 bucks, it doesn't matter. But being able to be generous to other people is just, man, it's where so much joy in this life originates from. And I want that for you. I want you to have that mindset of generosity and I want our church to have that as well. I want God to have not just, you know, our mind, but I want him to have our, our heart. And, and uh, I want us to be about living for his kingdom and his people. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. And thanks for the opportunity for us to pause and to consider uh, kingdom currency for a little bit and, and just what it looks like and how it's different than this world and, and uh, how you can do things when we follow your principles and your truths that are so far beyond what we could ever do or orchestrate on our own. God, thank you for your perfect track record of faithfulness. God, that you're just always faithful. Thank you for that. And God, I pray that you would touch our minds and grow our generosity mindset towards you, not just in our minds, but also in our hearts. God, ultimately, what, what I know you want is our hearts. And so, God, we want to give you everything we are, our minds, our bodies, and we want to give you our hearts to help see your kingdom grow. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.